0: Oh, Tavaka Thamritam Taptajivanam Kavibhiriritam Kalmasha Paham Ravana Mangalam Sri Madhatam Bhuvigrananti The nectar of thy words revives the scorched spirit of human beings, they purify the sinner and are the life of the holy, to hear them is itself auspicious and peace generating, they are the real givers who spread thy name far and wide. So in the last class, we saw that how master made it sure that the ego of the master is destroyed once for all. For seeing the master, he knew that he is the one. Seeing Mahendranath, he knew, seeing M, the master knew that he is the one. Through him, his gospel message, his message, his gospel will be spread to the humanity. And there shouldn't be any distortion in the process of transmitting the gospel. So, if the ego is there, then generally what happens, the ego tarnishes our own opinion, our own biases. They come and tarnish the message of the divine. So, there is a very nice joke. Uh, that God once incarnated, and He was delivering the message to all who gathered around Him. There was a huge crowd, and He was dis- He was just delivering the truth. And now the votaries of Satan, they saw that what's going on, and they were scared. They thought that our reign, that the reign of the Satan, is going to. Be over. Going to be. This if once the truth is revealed, the Satan cannot rule over humankind in any way. So all the votaries of Satan immediately went to inform Satan said that what's going on—that God has incarnated and is divulging the truth to the humankind. So, but Satan seemed to be least perturbed. He was at his own ease, sitting on his throne. He told you, are full. That before giving the message, you should first intently watch, just see that what's really going on. You again go and have a look, have an intent look at who all are surrounding the avatar, the divine incarnation. Go and have a look. They're all my votaries. After hearing, my votaries, after hearing the message of the divine incarnation, They will spread my message and my work will be done. My work will be done. So all the distortions are bound to come if our ego, if our biases are there with which we are listening to the message. The message gets tarnished and all starts preaching as per their own uh, outlook, as per their own bias, as per their own inclinations. And we find the tremendous disharmony, distension, the quarrel, fight in the name of religion going on through eternity. Why it happens? Because all are preaching the same truth. Everyone says we are preaching the same truth, but the truth gets tarnished by our opinion. So Sri Ramakrishna knew well that this is the, one of the most uh, common evil which we find in the process of transmitting religion, where the message gets tarnished by the one who is transmitting, the one who is supposed to be the apostle. So their uh, views and opinions come into the picture and tarnishes the message. So the ego has to be at the very beginning, destroyed once for all. And that's what we saw, that Ramakrishna made it a point to. Destroy his ego, and Master was the one who was all, who was to a certain extent evolved. So we find how humbly he accepted the admonishment of the Master, and his ego was destroyed once for all. And now we will find the Master is asking humbly, uh, Aim is asking humbly the questions which is actually pertinent, which has an importance in all of our spiritual life, the entire humanity spiritual journey. So we will start with that question, which M asks to Sri Ramakrishna. M humbly, yes sir, how sir may we fix our minds on God? That's a very, very pertinent question. We find Chaitanya Charitamrita in Shikshashtakam. That's the only six stanzas of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's work we find. The original work of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, nothing remains except those six stanzas. And those six stanzas are very significant. It starts with the first stanza that starts with the, the idea that there are so many names of God. And God has poured His infinite power in each and every name. But how this my how misfortunate, how my that how misfortunate I am? Why? Because I somehow have not got the taste to repeat any of those names, any of the f- names. If I just go, if I just resort to chanting of those innumerable names, in which each of those names are potent with the Lord's power, if I just chant any one of them and make it my regular spiritual journey of chanting that particular name, which suits me most, that itself is sufficient for my spiritual evolution, for developing bhakti, for developing devotion. But such is my misfortune that somehow I don't have the test to even repeat any of the single name. So here we find that's a very pertinent question he's asking how to fix, how to develop the devotion. And now Ramakrishna will be this devising, this showing the path, all the procedures, all the practices which are the most important cornerstone of the spiritual journey. They're the pillars of the spiritual journey. So, what are they? The first one. Sri Ramakrishna. Repeat God's name and sing his glories. The first. Nam gunagana. Nama guna gana. Sing his names and sing his glories. Repeat God's name and sing his glories. That's the first. The second and keep holy company. Sadhu Sangha. The second. And now and then visit devotees and holy men. That of course is a part of the holy company. The mind cannot dwell on God if it is immersed day and night in worldliness, in worldly duties and responsibilities. It is most necessary to go. And there's a third thing now. It is the most necessary to go into solitude now and then and think of God. So the very First three points, the practices which he is indicating is Nama Gunagan, take the name of the Lord, sing His glories. The second is Holy Company, Sadhu Sangha. Third is now and then going to the seclusion, Nirjanvasa. So these are the three things which Sri Ramakrishna stresses again and again throughout the gospel. Of course, there are other practices which he will describe after that. But let us first deal with these three practices, Naam Gunagan, Sadhu Sangha, Nirjanvas. taking the name of the Lord. You may say how to develop devotion? Go on taking name of the Lord. You will say I don't have the, uh, the test for taking the name. Well, okay, do you have willpower? Yes, we of course have willpower. We may not like a thing, but through my willpower, I can do something. Okay, that is the thing at the beginning which has been indicated. Whether I like it or not, let me use my willpower at some fixed hours in the morning, in the evening, in the dawn, in the dusk. Let me make it a point to have some time exclusively to sit down for repeating the name of the Lord, the Japa. Then you may say that uh, if it is something forceful, how it is going to help me in my spiritual journey, know it for certain what I am doing today through my will again and again. If if I have sufficient patience and perseverance, I will find that in a very short time, I have started developing a devotion, a liking for the reputation of the name of the Lord. As has been very nicely indicated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Ei Hurinam Nite Nite Bhakti Mukul fudvechite. So go on taking the name of Hari. Nite Nite. The next line is so important Bhakti Mukul fudvechite. That in our heart, in everyone's heart, there is a bud of Bhakti. It's yet to blossom. Go on taking the Lord's name that bud of devotion will blossom. It will simply bloom. And you will find that if for reasons of devotion, devotion is as if flowing through your heart. In no time it will happen. So in so many occasions we have discussed the science behind it, that in this life we have found that anything which we like, all the things which we like, as if we have developed an obsession for it, how that obsession has developed out of necessity we were doing it again and again and again anything which we do again and again it's not lost it as if creates a groove in our mind the mind gets wired so with the name of the lord the devotion gets wired so you're with the name of the lord you find that as you go on repeating gradually the will the emotion will take the place of the will. Your devotion will take the place of the will. There's a neuroplasticity. As you repeat again and again again and again, a groove is as if created. All our likings has actually developed that way. All the things we, which we like, and once you like, your emotions get involved in it. In this life, you will find that all those things are actually the things out of necessity which we did have done again and again. In the gospel, Sri Ramakrishna again and again will be repeating in so many occasions, Kamini Kanchani Maya, that lust and gold is the cause of delusion. From that only you will find that how the likeness grows. Why it is delusion? Both are necessary for life. Without lust, lust, we cannot think of the propagation of life. Without wealth, we cannot think of the sustenance of life. They're necessary, but from the single cellular microbe till the human being, that's the thing which we are all doing. And it has created such a groove in the psyche. It has went to our genes. In the process of genetical transmission, it is there, bound to be there. That deep groove speaks of our tremendous obsession for them. And how it has become now a cause of dilution? Just open any news channel, read any news. If there is news of any crime, obviously at last you will find these are the two reasons, nothing else. Either lust or gold is the reason behind all the crime in the society. So what has happened? Why it is a matter of delusion? The thing which is necessary, we repeat it again and again. And at last, we got stuck to it. How to come out of it. Sri Ramakrishna gives that example again and again. If a thorn has pierced you, then the thorny bush in which you have accidentally stamped and the thorn has pierced you, from the same thorny bush, pluck out another thorn. Use this thorn to pluck out the thorn which has pierced you. Once you have plucked it out, you can throw them both. So this, the new practice, through will, taking the name of the Lord, is the second thorn. It is, going to, it is bound to become something like your obsession. A time will come, just by repeating the name of the Lord, you will find it has created a tranquility, a bliss in your mind. It is also an obsession, but it is sattvic obsession. It is very good, because it will help me to get rid of all other obsessions. Why? This is the only obsession which is in no way linked with worries and tension. All other obsessions were something for which I had to depend on something extraneous. If I were in search of wealth, position, power, relationships, everything is extraneous. Till I haven't got them, I have that constant anxiety, I may not get it. Once you get it, again that anxiety is there, worry is there, I will lose it. But this is the thing, taking the name of the Lord, I find bliss ensuing. This is the thing no one can take away from me. It is not in any way linked with anxieties, worries. So it creates a wonderful tranquility. I have got something which no one can take away from me. All other likings or obsessions has all as as if kept me on the crossroads. I am in a traffic. I may get the green signal or the red signal. That as when you are passing through the traffic, because all the things for which I am dependent on something external, there is a question of clash of interest. The thing which I like, the same thing you like. Naturally, if I get, you don't get. If you get, I don't get. So as if we are in the traffic junction. I also wish I should have the green signal. You also wish you should have the green signal, but it can never be, and there's a clash. This is the thing. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, Chada mama mama," means the moon is everyone's uncle. What's the idea that Lord, the love for love is Lord is some love for the Lord, love for God is something universal. It's not something. That if I love God, it anyway is going to clash with your love of God. If I love such and such person, you love such and such person, there is a question of the clash of our interest. Jealousy, other things will develop. But here, there is no such thing. God is universal. Everyone can love him. At the same time, there is no question of clash of interest. I just think of him, I immediately find the bliss entering from it. So for the first time, I have created a groove, a road in my road, the same neuroplasticity, which has no junctions, which has no intersections. There's no traffic. Even in our day-to-day life, what we find that if I have to go to the CBD, once the freeway was not there, I used to go through the traffic road. All the traffic I have to cross, all the Uh, crossroads, I had to cross, I had to wait for the traffic signal. But once the freeway is built, naturally, I will avoid the traffic, why should I go through that? My tendency will be to traverse through the path, the freeway. So similar things happen here. All the likings which we obsessions which we developed as per the as per default, as per the plan of the nature. They are full of traffic. This I have designed, the name of the Lord, by taking that you have designed and you have created a freeway. Now the mind's natural tendency is to traverse through this freeway. Why should I traverse through all those uh, tensions, all those traffics? And they start falling off and you develop more and more inclination to delve deep, in your devotional practices. The devotion starts blooming in your heart. The other desires naturally, spontaneously, you don't have to use force, they start falling off. So that's the first thing that's why Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. It's a thing which is very, very important in spiritual journey. Many will be saying that all the spiritual faiths are different all speak of different path, all speak of different goal. How can there be harmony? But really, is there indifference? Yes, what we believe that may be different. Our ideas of liberation may be different, but is there any religion which doesn't go on repeating the things which they believe? The prayers, the, you go to the church, a particular faith, a particular denomination, when praying to the Lord, the prayer which they have selected, you will find is going on for years, for centuries together, the same prayer every day is repeated. You go to the Muslim prayer, the same namaz, the same prayer is every day repeated. So that's the similarity. Maybe our belief is different what we believe to be the ultimate idea of liberation, of idea of heaven. The name which we are taking may be different, but as for the practice, as for the repetition is concerned, we're doing the same thing. And even those who are atheists, they have started saying that there are so many things, those so-called not the very uh, gross atheists, the enlightened atheists, that religion has something For such a long time, this religion exists without which, as if the humanity cannot exist, they coexist together. And there must be some lessons there, even if you don't believe in God. And they also have started recognizing this fact. One of the biggest, greatest fact of religion is this reputation. This reputation creates that urge, the tendency which we can use in for any of our day-to-day activities in other fields also. The student who doesn't like to study at the beginning to insist the student to certain extent to study is in no way bad. I know that in the present education system, it is mentioned that there shouldn't be any sorts of pressure but we are actually not uh, taking recourse to the psychological growth, which happens by this reputation. If to a certain extent that we are asking the student to use their willpower at the beginning, they may not like it, but that insistence in short time will get converted into passion. You will find the student has developed a likeness for the study. First, he was not willing. We were almost, we were constantly cajoling and was trying to uh, explain the all that's the future, what how the future is going to be determined by his education, and somehow he also she also developed that willpower in short time that will get converted into the passion. Now, you won't have to say anything. The student has developed the liking for the studies. We have seen that in hostel. The students, once develops the liking for the study, we need not have to bother about him at all. He now will be resorting to his studies just by because of that liking. So that's the thing which from religion we have to learn. So here also the same thing has been told that resort to that neuroplasticity by that repetition. Maybe I don't like it, but if I go on doing it, this alone will be sufficient that in short time I will find I have developed a devotion which is helping me to keep my mind fixed in God. It has become something spontaneous. So. That's why that Swami Vivekananda's 3P is so important. Again and again, we will find in his works, he says that the spiritual journey speaks of 3P. Purity, patience, perseverance. What is purity? Again and again, trying to keep my mind in that sublime thought. That by taking the name of the God, I mean, again and again, I'm trying. There's the purity and it's not easy. My mind will again and again deviate, get distracted. Through perseverance, I will have to bring it back. And this practice needs patience, it's not going to happen in a day. There is no slipshod remedy in spiritual path. The mind gradually transforms, very slow process. As Swamiji used to say, that spiritual evolution is just like the falling of the dew drops. It's not like the falling of the torrential rain. When the torrential rain is falling, I can see the rain is falling, the ground is getting wet. But when uh, the dewdrops fall, it's almost unnoticed. In the morning, I go and just walk on the grass and I find it's wet. So spiritual transformation is that unperceptible. When I'm taking the name of the Lord and I find nothing is happening, know it for certain something is happening. It's not perceptible. As we say, a coarse rock, on the bed of the river the water is flowing over it at any point of time no change is visible but in time it may be in 30 years 40 years or in 100 years that coarse rock gets smoothened it becomes very smooth just like the shiva that constantly that water was flowing on the hard surface of the rock and the change was happening all the coarseness was gradually dissolving. Something liquid like water by constantly flowing over something hard like rock gradually smoothens it. Our mind with the samskaras is like that hard rock. Our thought, the name of the Lord is just like that flow. It can also smoothen. It takes time. We need patience. We need perseverance. A change is happening. We have to persevere in that practice. And that's the first thing. Sri Ramakrishna is indicating repeat God's name and sing his glories. And the second is keep holy company. Why this holy company? This the law of association in uh, our the, the Lila Prashanga with the biography of Sri Ramakrishna. There very nicely the author our Sharat Maharaj Swami Sharadananda, he is mentioning that for the first time when they visited Ramakrishna, just seeing him, immediately a tremendous inspiration and motivation developed in them. Till then, they thought Samadhi, divine contemplation, all these were mere words, poetic words. Because it's not something you find every day palpably visible in someone's life. When you see the scripture getting enlivened in a person, then the conviction develops. What's written in the scripture is something can be practiced. And not only practiced, it can transform my life. So seeing a life, the real conviction comes. And from that, the motivation comes. Otherwise, however we may go on reading the scriptures, it remains a theory. We can never get enlightened by it. As Sri Ramakrishna, used to say that you take an almanac in that it is being foretold that there is going to be torrential rain this year. And now he used to say, you squeeze the almanac, not a single drop of water will fall. It forecasts that there is going to be torrential rain. But it is after all a mere book. It doesn't have the power even to give a single drop of water. It forecasts many things. Similarly, the scriptures may say anything, but out of that you get nothing. It's only bookish knowledge, unless and until it enlivens someone's life, and through that life, the scripture is you find is manifesting. The life is the best commentary of the scripture. We may go on writing commentaries on all our scriptures; they are of no avail. It's only a realized soul who has lived that life. That he becomes the living commentary of the scripture. And they are the highest motivation powers. Seeing them, we get convinced. Not only convinced, we get influenced. That we even, you know, nowadays uh, these things even in psychology they say. That don't instruct the children. They don't learn from what you say. They learn by observing what you do. So that's the same thing happens when we are with a holy company. More than the words, their life speaks. And just by mere observing, we start inculcating all the spiritual values which that person represent. I still remember when I went to some tribal belt, I was posted to some tribal area uh, in some school to take care of the children there. my responsibility was in the education department I means in the school education so when i was posted a very interesting thing was uh, uh, suggested to me advised to me by one of the senior monks what he told was very very significant he told don't think that you are going to keep a watch on the children you are going to observe the children know it for certain that you will be you think that you will be observing the children but know it for certain; it is they who will be minutely observing you. So, what was his intention that your life should be such that in no way your life becomes the cause of all wrong way of uh, upbringing for the students? Because they're minutely observing; you are the role model for them. What you do is for them. Uh, the something which is the ideal. So be very, very careful. You can always know, always have this idea in your mind that it is they who are observing me. It's not me who is observing them. It is they who are observing me. So this sadhu sangha, that's the important thing. That's why Sri Ramakrishna used to say, ke degbi, rate degbi, shadhu ke shadhu bole janbi. means the one whose life has transformed. So for him, the uh, 24 hours is a spiritual journey. 24 hours is a spiritual, is, is life is an expression of the spirituality. There is no compartment of secular and spiritual. So such a life can bring a huge transformation. And that's why Sri Ramakrishna is indicating of the second thing, that to develop that motivation, to develop that conviction, the sadhu sangha is required. Keep holy company. And Now and then visit God's devotees and holy men. So apart from the motivation to visit the holy place and holy men has another uh, significance. What's that? When a a holy person creates a wonderful vibration by his holy thoughts, in a holy place if you go, you will find that most probably you were not in a very good mood. You were a bit despondent, a bit depressed. And somehow, someone insisted, well, let us us go to some temple, let us go to the shrine. And just because of the insistent, you, along with that person, visit the shrine and the moment you are there, or maybe in presence of a holy person, suddenly you find your mind is uplifted. Why it happens? Because that's the place, a holy place, a temple is the place where everyone goes there for that specific purpose, for prayer, for meditation, for chanting. And that's the place which is filled with holy thoughts. This, the place having a particular mental vibration is a fact. Have you ever seen anyone going to the so-called the cremation place, the place of cremation or the funeral for the evening walk? Such beautiful gardens are there. All the place of, of these uh, funerals are really wonderful, so well-maintained, beautiful garden. Have you ever made it a point that I should go for an evening walk there? Because that's the place with all its cleanliness and beauty is the place full of that sorrowful thoughts, depressing thoughts. Someone has passed away and for the funeral, you can have visited that place. You went to that place. That's the purpose. So naturally, you will find how beautiful it may be, how cynic it may be. You never feel uplifted by visiting such place. But if you go to the holy place, immediately your mind is uplifted. So there's two purpose, to get that holy vibrations, to get the benefit of that holy vibrations without doing anything, as if you will find your mind is automatically uplifted. So for that, and as well as to develop that conviction, the Sadhu Sangha is the second thing, which uh, Guru Maharaj is indicating, Ramakrishna is indicating that Swami Vivekananda also in his lecture uh, has indicated in Bhakti Yoga in One Oneplus that many of us think by reading books, we develop in spirituality, we grow spiritual. Swamiji, after saying that, he's mentioning that know it for certain. We can never go, grow spiritually by reading books. Yes, our intellectuality may get, uh, get a bit sharpened Our all the doubts may be a bit cleared. It helps that way, but only a life can enkindle another life. Just the way to l- just enkindle a lamp, I have to have another lamp, which is already enkindled. From that only a lamp can enkindle another lamp. So a life can enkindle life without a, the presence of some holy personality, without association with that. The spiritual journey becomes a very tiring journey monotonous journey without uh, any spiritual, proper spiritual growth. So the second thing that always think, go at least if you are, if there is no, uh, what you say, a really illumined soul, at least the like-minded people can gather together from time to time to have some study circle, to have some satsang, that will help us a lot in our spiritual journey. So that's the thing. The first, take the name of the Lord. Second, keep holy company. And now and then, visit God's devotees and holy men. So this also is included in Sadhu Sangha. And the third, the mind cannot dwell on God if it is immersed day and night in worldliness, in worldly duties and responsibilities. It is most necessary to go into solitude now and then and think of God. Nirjanvas. The third thing is very important. The only... This fact, the only thing of which we can be certain in this life. Everything is uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We cannot be so certain. Anything may happen. The life at any time can just take the turn in any way. But one thing, Swamiji is saying in this uncertain life, one thing is certain. And that is death. We all have to die one day nirjan brings the sense of impermanence you can try it those who have never tried you can try that that uh, just by uh, having that you know that idea that let me just uh, be alone so that i can spend some time in some sublime thoughts know it for certain the first if you can just if you can spend a few hours quite long alone suddenly you will find that thought of the impermanence becomes predominant in your mind. Throughout our life, what we do, we are actually afraid of ourselves. Sometimes we say that the biggest problem in life is having no problems. When you have no problem, then you find you yourself are the biggest problem. How in so many ways the mind will be baffling you. The thoughts, the worries, the tensions, the thought of the impermanence, all those come and baffles. Most of the time, sometimes we find uh, that we are unnecessarily engaged. It's just running away from the fact that I cannot stay alone with myself. The most dreadful company, which I, uh, for me is myself. The most dreadful company, we are so afraid to be alone with ourselves and spiritual journey that is required. When Swami Vivekananda went to Kashi, he was in the Durga temple. And when he came out from the Durga temple, the passage through which he has to exit was very narrow. On one side, there was a reservoir. On the other side, there's a wall, a huge wall. So there's no way you can run on sides. You have to walk through the road only. And that's also a very narrow road. And suddenly he felt, Something is following him. He looked back and he saw a pack of monkeys. He started running. He got scared. He started running. The monkeys were running after him. They were on his hills. And he was extremely scared. And suddenly he heard an old monk from a distance was shouting, stop, face the brutes. So hearing that, Swami Vivekananda turned around. He stopped, turned around. And he saw a wonderful thing. The monkeys also stopped. They were chasing till now. When he stopped and turned around, they also stopped. They also started looking at him. For some times, both stared at each other and then the monkeys started receding. Swami Vivekananda after that reminiscenced. When he was reminiscencing this incident, he told, I learned a big lesson of my life. What? Stop, face the brutes. Stop, face the brutes. So our mind has a lot of brutes. I still remember as a student, I was attending one, uh, you know, the student's convention in one of the ashram in the National Youth Day on 12th January, a student's convention was there. And there was a question answer session where the students were supposed to ask the question to the senior Swami and the senior Swami will reply. And you know, the students uh, sometimes, of course, there be some, some very good questions. And sometimes the questions are very funny very trivial questions. So one question was something very personal. One uh, young uh, girl asked, the question was, Swami, have you seen any ghost? The reply was wonderful. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, ha- I, I have seen and I can show it to you. And the girl was very curious. Well, uh, you can show? Well, yeah. But well, Just co- sit quietly and observe your mind, you will see so many ghosts. You can see so many ghosts there. So they are there, the most dreadful ghosts. So unless we are in seclusion, we have never faced the mind. We can never know our mind. The response sense of responsibility comes that after all, in the spiritual journey, there is no use in blaming others. As long as I'm busy with my life, I have the excuse to blame others, thinking that if they are not there, I can be free from so many distractions. I can be just, I can delve deep in meditation. It's then only you find, when there's no problem. The biggest problem is there. You cannot deal with yourself. And this is the thing which we have to face, courageously from time to time, not for long, at the beginning, if I am kept alone too long, I may get deranged. The all the ghosts of the mind can really uh, has, a, has a has a very they're very strong. They have the power to overwhelm me. We may get deranged. That's why Sri, Sri Ramakrishna will say, at the beginning, if just for one night, three nights, at the most, not that for a huge stress that you just make it a point that for once for all I leave everything and go. No. From time to time, just for a little, to watch your own mind, you are, it is Nidjan vase helps us a lot. And the idea of impermanence becomes something predominant in our mind. That's the thing from which, for which we are constantly running. You know that when a rabbit is chased by the predator, the rabbit at last very finds that the predator is about to catch him. And the rabbit finds that it cannot escape. What the rabbit does, it will start digging a hole in the soil. And when a little hole has been dug, the rabbit will hide its head there. The moment it, it hides its head, it cannot see the predator. And the rabbit foolishly thinks, I am safe. So that's what all our social engagements are. Just we are like a Rabbit, we are making a small burrow and hiding our face there and think we are safe. But the predator is the back. You may not observe it. It is observing you. So in no way you are going to get rid of them. So we have to face them. And then only the idea of impermanence, that will dawn in our mind. The things which at present give so much importance, they will lose their importance. They will become something trivial. Once we resort to this nirjanvas or seclusion from time to time. So that's the third thing. Sri Ramakrishna is saying from that, the fourth thing is bound to come. The viveka, the discrimination. That what is actually worth in our life and what is secondary. This Ishwaranitta Jagat Anitva, this viveka, this power of discrimination, that will come once we get established in these first three practices. So that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna will ind- indicate. To meditate, you should withdraw within yourself or retire to a secluded corner or to the forest. The three things, either when he's saying that Mone Bone Kone in Bengali, in your own mind, it's not possible for us now and then to go to the forest Where we will, where we will go. So if you cannot, if there is some provision that inside the forest there's a cottage and I can go, well and good. But how many can have such uh, provisions? There is not such provision for all. So if it is not possible, even in your own house, if some space is there meant for your seclusion, well and good, resort to that. We know that also is a luxury for many. It may not be possible. So now and then, Whenever it is possible, in your own house, try to delve in your own mind. But when there is a relaxation for some time, when no one is disturbing you, you are alone. This, most probably the children has, is yet to come back from the school. I have returned from my work. My, my spouse is yet to return. Little time is there. Immediately use it. Go within. Instead of opening the TV and getting distracted in all the so-called day-to-day happenings in the world for some time, seclude yourself, just be with yourself. Sri Ramakrishna, once, once returning from, uh, from Brahmu Samaj prayer to Dakshineshwar, and on the way, uh, the residence of the Kaviraj, the Ayurvedic doctor, uh, who, uh, whom Sri Ramakrishna is to visit uh, for all small ailments, his house was there. The Kaviraj, the Ayurvedic doctor, was supposed to deliver some medicine, medicine to Sri Ramakrishna, but because as he was busy, he couldn't come to Dakshineshwar. So now as he was passing through that way, he asked uh, his uh, one of his, uh, ac- this, uh, the one who was accompanying him. There were two persons accompanying him, the, the author of the gospel, M, and his nephew, Ramlal. So he asked Ramlal to go and collect the medicine as they were passing through that way. So as Ramlal uh, just got down from the carriage and went to get the medicine, so the, immediately the cabman knew it will take some time. So what the cabman did, it released the horses. It removed the buckles, it released, and released the horses, and immediately the, the horses went to the side of the road and started nibbling on the grass on the side of the road there was some grass and it started nibbling sri ramakrishna the master of examples immediately told m what the author of the gospel what very interesting thing ramakrishna was a master of example immediately told see our condition is just like the horse we are buckled to the responsibilities of the family our our family of our workplace all the responsibilities we are buckled like the horse But now and then, it's relaxed relaxed for a bit. Don't forget to nibble. Just immediately go to the green zone and nibble. Means Be alone and think of the Lord. The Nama, Nama Gunagan, taking the name of the Lord. Resort to your spiritual practice whenever it's possible, that little time. So that is what is meant by money in your own mind. Sometimes I don't have the space to be alone. I cannot think of going to some forest to be alone. But yes, in this life now and then, uh, we will be on un- this is what you say that uh, our all the uh, this uh, ties will be opened, relaxed, we will be unbuckled for some time. And don't forget to nibble is immediately go to the contemplation. So that should become an habit. So that's what he is meant, meant by this money, bone okone, that. that. This, this, That's why the, sometimes we lose the uh, charm of it while translating that how Ramakrishna will be rhyming the words and that in English translation you don't get. So that's the word he is saying. There's mone, bone, kone. So here he is mentioning to meditate, you should withdraw within yourself, that is mone, or retire to a secluded corner, kone, corn, corner is cone, and, or to a forest, bone. So these are the three things he is saying, mone, kone, and bone. So whatever is possible, but somehow by hook or by crook, resort to this practice. As in the Bhagavata which has been mentioned, a thief, if he knows that there is some treasure behind the locked door, just adjacent to him, near to him, the uh, the thief never thinks what's the legal way of stealing and what's illegal way. Somehow I have to get the wealth by hook or by crook, constantly waiting. How, one, I get the chance to break through and get the treasure. So Similarly, if you know that the treasure is so near, it's in your heart, the Lord is sitting there, how can you sit so uh, comfortably, so satisfied? As if you have no nothing to do. They have the tremendous urge that wealth is within, I have to get it. And that's why he's indicating so many ways, somehow, by this way or that way, resort to the reputation of the name of the Lord by resorting to the seclusion. And that way you can see your the condition of your own mind and as well as you get time to do your spiritual practices. And you should always discriminate. Now, after this, this nirjanvasa, this discrimination naturally comes. Viveka, being constantly busy with the life, we sometimes overlook this, the most certain fact of life, the impermanence. That idea dawns that what is permanent, what is impermanent, what is truth, what is transitory. So that's the thing. And from that, the discrimination comes. So, and you should always discriminate between the real and the unreal. God alone is real, the eternal substance. All else is unreal, that is impermanent. By discriminating thus, one should shake off imper- impermanent objects from the mind. So just so that's how one by one the spiritual practices is mentioning. Aim humbly. How ought we to live in the world? So now the next practice, Vairagya. Viveka. His first is Namgunagan. Then second is the holy company. Third is to uh, be in seclusion. Fourth is the viveka, the power of discrimination. And the f- fifth is vairagya. That's to a certain extent renunciation. When we hear the word renunciation, we think we have to leave everything and just uh, go there, uh, just ha- have an exclusive spiritual life. Just the way Ramakrishna is saying, you will find vairagya means something different. What he's saying? Do all your duties. But keep your mind on God. Live with all, with wife and children, father and mother, and serve them. Treat them as if they were very dear to you. But know to your heart of hearts that they do not belong to you. Then Sri Ramakrishna gives an example. A maidservant in the house of a rich man performs all the household duties. But her thoughts are fixed on her own home in her native village. She brings up her master's children as if they were her own. She even speaks of them as my Rama or my Hari. But in her own mind, she knows very well that they do not belong to her at all. So this is the thing which Ramakrishna is indicating, Vairagya. It doesn't speak of Amputing your existence from the worldly life. The responsibilities go on. It has has more to do with your attitude. It has more to do with your perspective, the way you look at life. To give an example, what Sri Ramakrishna is saying, we can resort to another explain to understand what Vairagya means. That a small child is going to the childcare center for the first time, the moment the parent drops him, seeing that unfamiliar place, the child starts crying. He doesn't feel, the child, it doesn't feel comfortable. It starts crying. It's a new place. And the caretakers there, they say, you f- don't worry. The child will be okay, you can go. And for few days, it continues. The child cries whenever he's dropped to the child care center. After a few days, now the parent finds a different challenge. Now when he, he has already developed friends among all the children, the moment he drops, he immediately runs to meet the other children and start playing with them. There's no problem when he, the child is dropped. But now the problem is when they go to take him back. Now they don't want to go. They will start crying, the parents find, it's a big, it, means it takes a lot of effort to drag them back home. They want to be there with their friends. They cry, and they don't want to go back. First they were crying when they were dropped, now they are crying when they are being taken back. It continues for a few more days and then the parent finds it's the child is no more crying. It's happy while going and when again the parent comes, it immediately comes running ready to go home. What has happened in this process of everyday coming and going? The ch- it has been registered in the child's mind. But the parents, my my home, with my my stay with my parents, that's something permanent. This is temporary. Every day morning, my parents will drop here in the afternoon or in the evening. They will come and take me back. So this is a temporary place. This is not the permanent place for me. My permanent place is my home. But once the child develops a sense of the temporary uh, idea of this temporary place. It doesn't mean the child won't play with other children. It doesn't mean the child will sit throughout the day in a corner in the childcare center waiting when the parent comes back, father or mother comes back in the evening to take them back. It doesn't mean that. It's quite happy with the other children playing, but there is no suffering. It has now learned that it is a temporary place. Every day morning, my father will drop. I will be happy with them. In the evening, they will come. I will go back. This is Verrock. to develop that sense of impermanence. In this kindergarten called world, we somehow are not as matured as those small children. We don't learn the fact that it is a kindergarten. It is a child's play center, child care center. We are here for some time. We are not going to be here permanently. We can of, we, are, we are of course, it's uh, it's desire that we take part in all the activities, but with that child, but with, if like that child, we also have that awareness that yes, in the evening, we have to depart from this place, but that doesn't mean I won't be playing. I am just playing with others, with the sense of impermanence. That's the real Vairagya. That's what you find Ramakrishna is indicating. that. Live with all, with wife and children, father and mother, and serve them, treat them as if they were very dear to you, but know in your heart of hearts that they do not belong to you. At last, we have to be separated. Nothing can keep us together. As in the Bhagavatam in one of the slokas, very nicely it has been vindicated. Our life is just like the pieces of thermocol, which is flowing on a stream down the stream, which is flowing down the stream. So many pieces of thermocol, accidentally two pieces come together, flow for some time and again they depart. That's what life is. In this flow of life, in this birth whom we call my child, my wife, my husband, my children, my father, my mother, in the next lot, in the next life, again, all this will change. We are all this like this pieces of thermocol, now meeting, now separating. And that's the life. This Nothing is permanent. It's a flow. Why you develop the tremendous inordinate attachment? When I am with someone, I do my best what I'm supposed to do with that sense of detachment. That after all, these are not something which are going to be permanent. If we don't have that sense of detachment, we s- suffer unnecessarily. Nature gives us everything at certain point of time and will take away everything at certain point of time. Once it is given, and if we think it is something which is going to be with with me forever, we are bound to suffer. In this life, we get attached the moment we grab. In a National Geographic, one of the uh, uh, episode, a very nice episode that how to uh, capture a monkey. The monkeys like the the salt, they will be in search of some uh, rocks, which they will lick to find whether salt is there or not. So the salt is something they like. So now to tempt them, so some uh, you know there's some rocky salts, uh, some salt, uh, some uh, rock which is salty is kept in their vicinity, but not it is not kept uh, in free. It is kept inside a pitcher. It's a bottle. You have her, their neck is narrow and the pitchers you know that the, the container is having a lot of space, but the neck, the opening is very narrow. So the monk, and it's a transparent, it's made of glass, and the salt rock is kept there inside that pitcher. And seeing that the monkey gets tempted, it will put its hand, in, put its hand inside the pitcher to get hold of that rock salt, and now it times tries to bring it out. And now the monkey finds the hand has got stuck. Means when it put, has thrusted its hand, arms in, the, the, the fist was not clenched, so it easily went. Now with the rock salt, the fist is, has clenched his fist, it doesn't come out. If it leaves the rock salt, hand will easily come out, but it won't leave. Throughout the night, it has tried its best to get rid of the rock, uh, to get rid of the bottle, the pitcher. It couldn't. And in the morning, it can be easily caught because its hand is already uh, inside the bottle which cannot move. Such is our condition. We get caught in this quagmire of the world because once we grasp, we don't want to leave. If you leave immediately, immediately you are free. But our condition is like that monkey. So that's Sri Ramakrishna saying. That take care of responsibilities, but don't grab thinking that that's the permanent something with which you are going to stay forever. Nature gives you, it is going to take away. Knowing that with the idea of seek not, avoid not, that Swami Vivekananda will be saying again and again, we should go on with our life. And that's the idea which is being indicated by the the term Vairagya. The, The dispassion but which follows from discrimination. That's the real dispassion. As uh, Sri Ramakrishna uh, is not in the gospel, in uh, in uh, the Master Mahasaya's aim, has some has reminiscences. In this reminiscence, it is mentioned that Ramakrishna, how nicely used to say that, Shangshari Shajbe, Shangshari Hobena. You must always pretend to be a householder, never become a householder. Shadhu Hobbe, Shadhu na. And never pretend to be a holy person, become a holy person. We just do the opposite. We are highly attached to the family and we pretend to be a holy person. Ramakrishna is saying just do the opposite. Don't pretend to be a holy person. Be a holy person. Shadu hobe, shadu na, shangshari shajbe, shangshari hobe na. Pretend to be a householder. Never become a householder. So just like a lotus leaf, we are supposed to be In the waters of samsara. It is in the water. The water shouldn't touch it. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. We will continue with the uh, remaining portion of the Sri Ramakrishna's conversion again in the next class. So with this we stop our discussion today. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Thank you. Namaskar.